Or, um, at the back, if you haven't um, got one, because we're going to be dashing through some of the, the Old Testament. And... Uh, Just to say welcome again, I'm Callum and I'm the curate here and uh, we're just starting um, this series called Unbreakable, um, which is looking at God's promises to us all the way through the Bible. We're going to go through the Old Testament and the New Testament and looking again and again at God's promises to us. And if you want to get ready um, with page, if you get ready, page eight, and we're going to be looking at a story which uh, I think everybody has heard of, not least because of a Hollywood blockbuster recently. Before that, what I, Richard spoke about it just a moment ago, which is we long for a second chance. I don't know about you. I have I don't I don't think I'm the only one that has mucked up at times in life here. I hope not. You're going to leave me uh, writhing and uh, sort of thinking I'm the only one, but I know. I know I'm not the only one. And we all need a second chance. We all muck up. There are things that we say. There are things that we do. Things that we keep on doing that we long and we wish we didn't do. And we long for the second chance to try something different. And to, 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 to be called back um, again. And the time it really hurts is when, when it's in relationship with people that we love. That we say something hurtful. That we do something that injures them or injures their trust in us. That's when it really hurts. And what we most long for in those moments is for that person to say, I forgive you, let's start again. And I've had the privilege of going into prisons, um, uh, not recently, but um, not not being arrested and going into prison, but uh, being able to go in and helping run the Alpha course in prisons. And what strikes me when I'm doing Alpha in prisons, is seeing men and women who are so relieved that they have a second chance. They know that they're in prison for a reason, and that they can't, that it's right that, that they have a sentence. But when you see them come to know Jesus and know God, and to, that God gives a second chance, there is nothing like it. That's why that cross was made by somebody that's connected with this church who was in prison. He made that to remember what God has done and that God gave him a second chance through the cross. And what we're looking at today is, the, is another one of these stories which just reminds us again and again as we go through the Bible that God gives a second chance. So, if you turn to page 8, and we are going to be looking at the story of Noah. First, let's look at verse, on page 8, 6, verse 5. 
And so we've had Adam and Eve that Richard was talking about last week and the, the creation, God's creation of the world. And now we come to another part of this story of understanding how um, mankind was formed. Verse 5. The Lord saw how many great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he'd made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind who I've created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and birds of the air, for I'm grieved that I've made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And this is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. I'm going to pray as I continue. Father, help us hear once again this story of a second chance for Noah, but for each and every one of us. Amen. This story, I don't know, has been heard by everybody. If anybody's ever been to Sunday school in the past, you probably have done uh, Noah and his ark. You've done the animals coming in two by two. And apart from remembering those Sunday school pictures and images of, of Noah's ark, this is one mega story. This is a huge story. And there are so many different themes. There are so many challenging questions that it leaves. And they're all bound up together. And so, you know, was there, we're going to find out later on, as you all know, was there a flood over the whole of the earth? Literally and, and exactly. Did God kill all of humankind? Did, why Noah? Why Noah was the one that was, was, was left? Why an ark? Where did the shipbuilding skills go for hundreds of years? You know, there's so many questions that it makes you, it starts you, it starts you thinking on. And how did all the animals survive together? I mean, why did the lions not eat all the other ones? You know, you know. Or is it only me that's asking those questions when I look? When I'm <laughs> and I don't ever want to take away the thought that this could be real, but I, today what I want to look at is the way that this story is shown. And it's actually, if we look at it as a parable, I, th- I, I really do think this, the, the area that Noah is talking about and that we know about Noah is Iraq and is the, the plains of Iraq. It could very easily have been in one of the ice ages that there was a, a flood in that area, that known part of the world. And I, I have no doubt that there was, there was, a, there was an ark that, that, that God, God could have done that. But what I want to look at underneath this is the, what the story that it's telling us about God and about God's promises to us. And the three things that I see coming through the story, you can read um, further on, and we're going to read another couple of parts of the story as we go through. But three things that come out of this story is that God cares, God rescues, and God covenants. Firstly, 
God cares. And when I say God cares, when you see God frustrated and, 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 and angry at all that's, that's, that's happened and that the, how people are responding and what they're doing, you think, is that really care? But what I want to point out is just verse, verse 6. The Lord was grieved that he'd made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain. The first thing that we learn about God there is that God has emotions. God cares. God God has cares about his creation. He cares about how his people live. He cares about us. He cared about the people at the time. But this is just after Adam and Eve and the and the first creation and you can it feels like when you read that that God was grieved and had pain. It's a bit like the pain of a mother who sees their child, you know, go off the rails and, and, and rebel and, or be, just go bad. It's that pain of, of somebody that you love and care for going off the rails. Or it's like an artist. God is the creator. God's the one that's created the universe, the seas, the mountains, everything that moves on the earth. And it's like, he's, it's like an artist whose masterpiece has just been trashed and defaced. I lived, uh, when I was uh, living in Fulham, when I was in London, I, um, one of the housemates was an artist. And there was, I can remember um, them just see, seeing this picture and um, having to start all over again. Because they knew that what they could see, the way they'd started, what, what had happened in the painting as they built up the layers just wasn't going to work and that they had to start all over again. And why did they do that? Why did they start change that picture? It wasn't because they, they just thought, oh, stuff it. It's because they cared deeply about their creation. And as much as it's challenging to us that God might destroy the whole of his world, but it is his world. And certainly to the people of the ancient people who, who, who knew this story, they knew very clearly that it was, it was only by God's grace that they were, they were living. And it's the same for each one of us. We're only here because of God's grace, because his creation. But what we, we can know is that he cares he has emotion. He cre- we have emotion. He created us in his image. That's why we have emotion. And if we feel pain and sorrow, just think how much God does. And also that he doesn't want violence. Look at verse 11. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. They, people had cor- become corrupt and the people on the earth had corrupted their ways. He longs for, for something that is good. And if we see this, this story as not just a, of orders of magnitude of, of suffering by other people, but what we see now is the fact that God, for one person and his family, he chose to save them because he cares. 
Let's carry on. Verse 6, 13 to 14. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them, and I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. And then he goes on. God lists how Noah is going to be saved. God saves him. But just before I go on to to say about God rescuing, I want to look at one phrase that that shows us why, why he picked Noah. Why Noah? Um, where is it? Oh, I've lost it. Ah, so sorry. Verse, um, he is, sorry, I'm going to continue. Verse 17. Um, I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under heavens, every creature that has the breath of life in it, everything on earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with, with you, and you will enter the ark, and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into your, the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is eaten and store it away as food for them. Noah did everything just as God had commanded. And sorry, just to go back, and then if you go back and verse 9, that's the one I was looking for. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. What we hear of the description of all the people that were going off in their own way was that they were not walking with God. If you're walking with somebody, you're walking alongside them. You're walking in the direction that they're going. And walking, we tend to think about when we spend time with God is that we sit or we stand or lie down if, you, if that's where you do your prayers in bed. But actually, what, he said, what this passage says about Noah is that they were walking he, Noah walked with God. That is why. I just want us to hold on to that phrase. But God rescues. As we just heard, God gave a plan. He, he, he told Noah that he was going to rescue him. And part of the, all his creation, he was going to rescue and to save. Verse 18, you will enter the ark. And we quite often think that Noah built the ark. Noah was the one that that came up with it. Noah gathered the animals. But as we look at this passage again and again, we realize that God was the one. God isn't just the one that's that's bringing the destruction. Really, I think the key part of this passage is that God is the one that saves. God is the one of the second chance. God is the one that wants to bring the best for his creation. It's God's plan and it's God's rescue. And I don't know if you've been given a second chance and you've been rescued. I don't know. How do you think you would feel if you were Noah and you were the one that were called to be 
be rescued and to be saved. To be given a second chance. How does it feel for us when we're given a second chance? It's incredible. And what comes loud and clear is that God, and we're going to see again, is that God cares for humanity and creation. Even though humanity mucks up and goes off by itself. Another image that I like is, is it's a bit like a, a, a director of a theater play. And he, he's created the actors, he's created the play, but the actors just go off and, you know, they go off and do their, their own thing and then trash the theater, you know. And the director's left there going, oh my goodness. But the, he actually loves the people that he's created. And he wants the very best for them. And he wants to save. And even if one person is walking with him, he will save them. And that's what we need to hear, that God will save the person that is walking with him. So he rescues them. They go into the ark. Um, all the animals, you know, imagine the smell. However, if we turn to verse 9, chapter 9, verse 11. So turn over the pages. So page 10. And we then find that God, we see that God cares, that he rescues, but then... He covenants. And Richard was talking about covenant last week. And if you, didn't, if you weren't here, I'd really encourage you to, to listen online um, through the website um, to his talk about the difference of covenant and what covenant is. That so often in relationships, to give you a, a sort of a brief summary, is that so often in relationships we think about relationship as either contract, if you do this, I'll do that, or just commitment that I'll support that football team, even if, whatever. I'm there. We're not really getting anything from them. Apart, we're giving to them. We're, we're committing. It's just saying, I'm committed. But covenant love is love that says, I love you. And that demands a response. It's a love that's always, it's committed. There's some contractual in it, but actually it's a love that says, I love you. And that's what we see here. Chapter 9, verse 11. God says, I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be cut off by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And by the way, they've, they've been, for, been at sea. You'll know the story they, or some of the story. You can read it later. Um, they come down and the, the waters depart again. But he says, and then he continues, God said, this is the sign of the covenant I'm making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generation to come. I've set my rainbow in the clouds and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the cloud, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. God covenants with his people. God makes a promise that he will never destroy the earth in the same way. He's committed to humankind. He's committed 
to us, even though we might fail. He's committed to Noah. If we read on just, just further on in the chapter, Noah mucks up straight away. He was the, he was the best of the bunch, maybe, but he still has, he's still sinful and he still mucks up. But God commits. God commits, but also he covenants. He, he, he says, I love you and I will always love you. And he comes to God. There's a, there's a response. Noah, actually, earlier on in, in chapter 9, chapter nine he, he sacrifices. He, he's so thankful to God. Noah sacrifices one of the animals that he's looked after and cared for to say thank you to God. But even God has supplied all of that. God has given Noah everything and has rescued him. And so God commits to this covenant with his people. And what we need to hear is that God, he cares, he rescues, but he enters into covenant. What What this story is saying again and again is that God is entering a covenant with his people and his planet. And that he is going to hold back judgment on the world. He's not going to destroy it. And we need to remember that and to be thankful for that. As I said back in chapter 8, verse 20... When Noah finally gets out of the ark, he, he, he sacrificed burnt offerings, which was understood in those times to be a way of saying thank you to God. So the first response that Noah does is to say thank you. And for us, we need to remember and to say thank you to God, to worship with a sacrifice, whether that's with our praise. But it, actually, the best way of worship and of sacrifice is to walk with God. That little phrase that we heard earlier on. That the best way to worship is to walk with God. And we can, that means that we're walking with God wherever we walk in our lives. In our workplaces. In our friendships. In our relationships. Wherever we are. Whatever we're doing. That we walk with God. And God promises that he will hold back judgment unless, and he gives us a way. And we now know, as we've heard today about the cross, that Jesus sent his one and only son. He loved the world so much that he sent his one and only son. He cares for us. That whoever believes in him should not perish. He rescues but will have eternal life. And that he comes not to condemn the world, but to save the world. God is the one that cares and rescues and is covenanted to us, not just in the Old Testament, but through Jesus, ultimately. That Jesus is the one that does, is the epitome of God doing all those things. And we can see that with Noah, he was doing exactly the same thing. But with Jesus, we know for sure that he has He cares for us, he rescues us, and he's committed to us.
So let's do as Noah did, to walk with God in all that we do. And to give thanks to him, to say thank you to him, to walk with him and to love him back with all that we say, all that we do and all that we are. Amen. Let's just take a moment um, just to be still. And if the band could come up and get ready, we'll, we're going to continue a song. But I don't know where that leaves you of this feeling of the second chance. Whether you need to, to know God's rescue. And especially if you need to know that rescue through Jesus. Of what Jesus did through his life, his death and his resurrection. But to know that God is always the same. I know for, for me, I need to hear that God is, is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That he cares, that he rescues, and that he's covenanted to me and to you.